the Apollo Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Cash Landing, the show where uh, we fall ass backwards into the money and you, and you get richer just by listening. I, as always, am your host, Ben, joined by my highly esteemed co-host, Aaron. Aaron, how we doing, buddy? Uh, we're doing pretty good. Another Friday night here to talk some baseball and some football. Uh, just curious, what what took me from esteem to highly esteem for uh, this specific show? The fact that you are doing better than me in our weekly bets, <laughs> I think, Fair. Makes, you hi- makes you highly esteemed. And I'm 1-0 in our gentlemen's bets. Maybe that's what it'll be. Whenever you pass me in the gentlemen's bets, then I... Uh, then you can be the esteemed co-host, I guess. Not not only will I be highly esteemed, I'll be highly esteemed and highly favored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. All right. <laughs> so uh, I guess we can give a quick recap of last episode. The main takeaway is Ben. Uh, he's still, in fact, the Randy Arosarena Whisperer. Uh, he recommended him. We named the episode the Randy Arosarena Whisperer, and uh he came through three for three, couple couple doubles, couple runs, RBI. I mean, Ben, what is how? Can you explain how you do this? You know, I, I really can. I think it's just an innate ability that I was born with. No, I'm I'm totally kidding. Uh, <laughs> the only way that I knew Randy or Rosa Reina was going to be good was that if the Tampa Bay Rays are trading a top fifty prospect for a lefty masher that I've never heard of, he can probably hit lefties. Um. So, you know, he, he did. He went out and hit lefties. I think he put up 15 DraftKings points or whatever at his at his $3,000 price tag. So if there's one person I understand, it is Randy or Rosarena. Man, and you are probably – we are probably the only podcast in America that leads our show with this. But you know what? <laughs> we are original, and you can't take that away from us. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back on Wednesday with more baseball for sure. We'll talk about last week's slate. Hopefully there will be another good baseball slate, kind of too early to tell right now. But, man, baseball season winding down, but we still got the good part left, don't we? Yeah, I mean, this is the, – the wild card round was pretty exciting, even though almost no teams went to three games. It was, you know – I mean, playoff baseball is always interesting. I, I mean, I don't know. I still don't really like this expanded playoff format. I would really hate it in a 162-game season, but I do sort of enjoy some of the – some of the stories and the narratives that are, that are coming out of it. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely makes it interesting. You get the Marlins, you know, doing things like they did. Uh, you get teams coming back from one of deficits left and right. So it definitely creates drama, but yeah, at the same time, like if it were a 162 game season and the Dodgers won like 120 games and they got bounced in the three game series, that would not feel right. But Hey, it's baseball. We'll see what they do going forward. But uh, first, Ben, last time we recorded, the Astros were in the wild card round. We are now recording again, and they are in the divisional round. So I feel like that's a good place to start. Yeah, all, all that means is that we we should never stop recording. <laughs> Just <laughs> constantly a, a live stream. <laughs> there's a there's a correlation here that I think equals a causation. No, I. Uh... Yeah, I mean, it was, I, I, you know, I said, you know, the team I wanted them to to play against was the Minnesota Twins, and my second choice was the Oakland Athletics. So they're going to play the, the A's in the next round. This sort of lined up ideally for me. They beat Minnesota, and Minnesota really never scored any runs. It was sort of insane. They, uh, 
Minnesota's offense is is just so elite, and they they were swinging through some meatballs through that whole series. I mean, they just weren't hitting fastballs down the middle, and I mean that's what happens in a in a two game series. Sometimes your offense goes cold, and you're out of there. And if you're the Twins, that your offense always goes cold in the playoffs because you've lost 18 straight playoff games, and that's kind of your brand. But uh, man, after after the series win, your boy Correa, or as I like to call him, Fancy Nick Ahmed. He really did not mind uh, adding some fuel to the fire. He just came out and said, look, I know all you guys said we were just winning because we were cheating. Well, guess what? We can also win when we're not cheating. So, ha. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that stuff's really funny to me. I know it's pretty funny to you, too, because, you know, you don't seem to you don't seem to care as much as some other people about the whole cheating scandal. No, it took a title away from the Dodgers. I was actually fine with it. (laughs) it's just funny to me like obviously i'm gonna have a different opinion on all of it than most people i can i can see why people think it was a little tone deaf because the main argument with correa's comments is just that they it doesn't seem like he's showing remorse or whatever for all the stuff they did and i don't know i mean i don't really care i think that he he released public apologies enough and he certainly sounded sincere when when he was talking about it in, in the clubhouse back then and just he's been taking an entire year of you know 70% of the media just sort of being like oh well the Astros are horrible now they're a 500 ball club even though they lost half their roster to injury it's all because they were cheating and they were doing trash cans and he was fired up after a playoff win so I definitely understand where he was coming from. No, yeah, I, I definitely don't think we need to talk about it too much. I just I thought it was worth noting because it was pretty out there, and then I really just wanted an excuse to call him Fancy Nick Ahmed on the podcast. But uh, yeah, I can't believe you're still on this Fancy Nick Ahmed thing with the year that Nick Ahmed just man, had. Yeah, it was it was a bad year for my Fancy Nick Ahmed uh, narrative. <laughs> Nick Ahmed made way too many errors for that to be true. But enough of that. Um, you said you wanted the A's. You've seen many Astros versus A's games over this year and the years past. So I'll let you go ahead and uh, give an initial breakdown of what you think we're going to see. And I'll kind of hop in wherever I have a thought. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a, I have a couple thoughts here. One of which is the Astros pitching is not going to be as good in a five game series as it was against the twins. The Astros really got to cover their biggest weakness being their bullpen by pitching four starters for 16 of the 18 wildcard innings. And they, they simply won't get to do that in a five-game series because you don't have enough arms to cover all that. So I'm, I'm going to get a, a little small, small bump down to their pitching effectiveness overall. But I think that in general, people are going to look at the 7-3 Oakland Athletics advantage on the season series this year, and they're going to go, oh, well, Oakland's obviously going to win. And I think it's important to note that seven of those 10 games were played in Oakland because of the way the schedule worked out in this weird gimmicky season. And five of those games were played in a span of three days. The first of which was a Lance McCullers junior start where he was placed on the 10 day injured list after one inning. So the Astros already didn't have six starters to throw in three days. Lance McCullers goes one inning and they have to call up Chase DeYoung and Luis Garcia and all these guys to try and pitch eight innings in a row. So I don't know how indicative of this series, the season series was going to go. For that reason, and also they don't have Matt Chapman anymore, who is their most important player easily. So I I honestly really like the Astros here. Yeah, I think you bring up a lot of good points. Uh, You mentioned how this is a five-game series as opposed to a three-game series. Also important to note, 
This isn't a normal division series, obviously, with a compressed season. Um, this is a five-game series that is taking place five days in a row. There will be no off days. So I think the important thing for the Astros is going to be don't let this turn into a bullpen battle. Because while you know you guys have a lot of young relievers that have pitched well this year, I still don't think you can honestly say it's as good as the Oakland bullpen from top to bottom. But what I do think is I think the Astros starting rotation is more capable of going deep into games than the Oakland starting rotation. I mean, the Oakland starting rotation, they're kind of full of a bunch of guys that can go out there and give you four or five innings, but not many guys that are really going to go six or seven where as opposed to the Astros, they do have those guys that at least have the potential to get deep into the game. So I think if the Astros can avoid turning this into a bullpen series and actually get some length out of their starters, I think the offense stacks up just as well as the A's offense does without Matt Chapman. So I would give a slight lean to the Astros here in a Dodger stadium of all places. Yeah. That's the other thing they're in Dodger stadium, which the Astros are certainly comfortable in, I would say. And, and just to, to speak to your point a little more with the, with the rotation stuff, Jesus Lazardo is legitimately scary. Uh, the Lazardo Granky matchup is is you know a tough one, but after that you know Chris Bassett can go pretty deep into games. After that, I mean, if it's Mike Fires or or whoever else, I, I hear a plane in the background for you. We have but... live flyovers, just another airplane <laughs> flying over the podcast. If it's if it's Mike Fires or somebody else, I'm definitely taking Lance McCullers or even Christian Javier or 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 whoever the Astros are going to throw out there. Basically, I, it's where where the rotation once looked like it was. Oakland's clearly I, I don't really think that's the case anymore yeah I agree so uh, we'll be recording again Wednesday night which will be or no we record Tuesday nights so that will be live after game two so that'll be pretty fun to get a little instant reaction but uh, I think the next thing we need to talk about as far as these wild card series um been the central divisions in the American League and the National League they they went 0-7 <laughs> yeah, it's not good. And not only did they go 0 and 7, they won one game combined. They went 1 and 13 in it, like counting actual games, which is just horrible. The and Reds didn't score a run. <laughs> I it's so funny Trevor Bauer had that tweet where he was <laughs> like, you know, they keep disrespecting the NL Central saying it was the worst division in baseball. We have four playoff teams and then they just all <laughs> all get eliminated within two days of him tweeting that. Yeah, and the three American League Central teams. Like, how did you not realize that, like, you can't tout the NL Central and the AL Central being so good when they only played against each other? So we have no clue how they stack up against these teams from the East and West divisions. And it turns out that, oh, man, I've got to rethink everything that I thought about the entire season as far as the AL and the NL Central because – Maybe they were just the two worst divisions in baseball, and we just didn't get to realize that until now. Well, you and I know this about the Brewers. They are not a very well-constructed baseball team, and they haven't been for some years now. I mean, especially for the playoffs, but but even regardless of the playoffs, I didn't think the Brewers were going to make the playoffs this year, even with an expanded playoff format. I thought it would be the Phillies or something. And I think maybe if you put the Phillies in the NL Central, they would have. I think absolutely if you put a team like the Phillies or even apparently like the Giants who were pretty sneaky this year, I think a lot of the teams in the West and the East would have had better records if they would have been playing against, um, you know, teams like the Cubs and the Cardinals and the Tigers and the Royals all year, you know, the Pirates. There were a lot of bottom feeders in those two divisions, which 
is a lot different from the other divisions, which were more balanced throughout the year. But yeah, the Bauer tweet was funny. I saw he kind of tried to take his L and, you know, tag himself and at old takes, old takes exposed, but it was a little too late for that. He, <laughs> he was just trying to cover his tracks. He had already <laughs> had to take a massive L on that one. I saw a, I saw a take I actually sort of enjoyed. Uh, you and I were high on Shane Bieber all year for reasons, including the fact that we knew he was going to be pitching against the AL Central. We didn't know he'd be pitching against the NL Central at the time where we thought he would win the Cy Young, but we knew the AL Central was, was going to be a thing, and that has Detroit and other bad offenses in it. And so I saw a take that was like the first time Shane Bieber pitches against a real team, <laughs> they hang seven runs on him and it's the Yankees. And man, I mean, it's hard to argue with. I mean, we know baseball is such a such a different game every day. It's it has it's very hard to say that, you know, Shane Bieber gets rocked one time. Oh, well, he was just pitching his bad offenses. But the evidence is a little stacked against the central in general. Yeah, I don't I don't really know how to feel about the Shane Bieber start because I was looking at it, you know, just like, oh, the Yankees didn't get a single look at Shane Bieber all year. He's going to mow him down. They haven't seen him this year, and that is not how it worked out. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see next year just how all of these, you know, central guys do because the National League Cy Young was came from the central also. It's going to be Trevor Bauer, and you Darvish was the runner-up. So all of these Cy Youngs are coming from the central and meanwhile, all these offenses were putting up zero runs in the playoff games. Yeah, it really is. It's just nuts how no offense scored any runs. The Reds in, in particular, that first game that went 13 innings was so hard to watch. They had bases loaded or first and third with no outs three times during that game and yeah. did not score the run. No, it was truly unbelievable. I texted you at one point and just said, this game is actually like hilarious how <laughs> how impossible it is for either one of these teams to score a single run. And then once someone took a 1-0 lead, it was just like, oh man, there's absolutely no shot. Oh man, yeah. So, I mean, the Central, all those teams are fraudulent. Um, moving on to the other American League, what do you think about the other series? You got the Rays versus the Yankees. Yeah, I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention that everybody counted out the Miami Marlins, sort of including me, and here they are still undefeated in the postseason. They are so fun, and they're, you know, if, if the Astros get bounced out or something, it's it's Rays and Marlins all the way for me, but just in terms of who I'm rooting for, not necessarily who I think is going to make the World Series, but going forward, in the AL... I think that the Rays and Yankees is probably closer than I think you think it is. I think the Rays have a strong chance, and I, I I could definitely see it going. The Garrett Cole game goes to the Yankees, and then the Rays quickly make it 2-1 to one until the next Garrett Cole game comes around. Like, maybe he, he wants to pitch on three days rest, and then it quickly goes 3-2 to two Rays, because I think they have the advantage in every game that Garrett Cole does not pitch. Yeah, um, I see where you're coming from there. I definitely... I don't think it's like a strong advantage Yankees, even though I definitely still believe in the Yankees offense more than I do the Rays offense. Just we saw the Yankees, obviously they destroyed Shane Bieber. They were able to knock around Carlos Carrasco and the rest of that Indians bullpen. And, you know, the Rays offense was also, you know, very explosive against the Blue Jays. But at the end of the day, I trust the Yankees offense a little more. So I think it's going to come down to, uh, you know, it's going to come down to like Glass now and Tanaka Snell's going to have to be dominant because we know they both have great bullpens. I, I just give the slight edge to the Yankees because of the offense, but I still think it's probably a five-game series, so I don't think it's a lock by any means. 
I, th- I think there's a good chance this is the series of the postseason where we have just some unbelievable, I almost said overtime, some unbelievable extra innings games in which, you know, like either the, the Yankees or the Rays just, just pull off some miraculous hero ball. But I think that the Yankees probably win. I would definitely not be surprised if it goes three to two Rays, though. Yeah, no, I mean, and what do you, what do we get from Randy or Rosarena in this whisper? The country is dying to know. <laughs> what? Randy Rosarena, I would say he probably has a decent series. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a, I, I need my crystal ball. I don't have a great, great feel for it yet. But, but I do have to say, if it does end up being Yankees Astros in the ALCS, which is where I think it is probably heading towards, Rays Astros or Yankees Astros, just based on the way I feel about the Astros A's series, I think that that scenario was good for baseball either way because if the Astros lose in the ALCS to the Yankees, the whole country that hates the Astros is is amazingly happy. And then also you probably get a, a New York-LA World Series, which is just ideal for everybody. If the Astros win the LCS but lose the World Series, you get the same thing. But if the Astros win the World Series, I think an underrated aspect of it is the way that it discourages future cheating. The general audience seems to think that the Houston Astros completely got away with it. It was swept under the rug and there's no penalty, which is just not true. Uh, Because there were no suspensions, people think there were no penalty, but people get suspended for steroids all the time and people are still doing steroids. There was definitely a penalty. They definitely were punished. And so if they go out and win, win the World Series in 2020, if you're a huge baseball purist and you think they disrespected the sanctity of the game, they probably are just feeling stupid for doing it now. Nobody's ever going to do another stupid cheating scandal if they win a World Series with the same roster, you know, doing it fair and square. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't see many people putting that positive spin on it. So I'm glad you brought it up because that will be uh, important to note because I'm sure the only, you know, actual reactions we'll get is, you know, people just enraged and saying it's the most 2020 thing of all time. Of course, the Astros won the World Series, but... I think that will be an important um, thing to note if that actually happens, even though we're a long way away from the Astros actually winning the World Series. But if they do win the World Series, I think it probably looks like it's going to have to be against the Dodgers again. They're going. The Dodgers now have the Padres, which, I mean, we're recording this on Friday night. We don't know if Clevenger and or Lamette is going to be available, but if they don't have both of Clevenger and Lamette, I just I don't think the Padres have enough pitching to actually get by the Dodgers in a five game series. What do you think? No, I think it would be close with Clevenger and Lamette, and without both of them, there's just no way. If they get one of them back, it sounds like Lamette might come back, and it sounds very unlikely for Clevenger to come back, from what I hear. If they get just Lamette back, I still don't think it'll happen, but there's a little more of a chance. I mean, Paddock, Lamette, Davies is okay. Uh, but yeah, they really need, they really needed both of them to make it a real series. And I feel bad for them because this was sort of a Cinderella season and, and the injuries, I think are just going to cut it short and the Dodgers are probably going to win in four games max. Yeah, I think most likely, I mean, I still think there's a chance that the San Diego offense, you know, if they catch fire, which they did put up some runs in these last couple of games versus the Cardinals, if they could turn it into a high scoring series, you know, any team can win if it's all the games are high scoring, which, you know, we don't expect them to put up runs on Bueller, even though we got to check the status of his blister. He looks like he had a nasty blister at the end of his start um, last series. And then 
you know, obviously they're going to need Kershaw to pull a Kershaw if the Padres are actually going to want to have a chance in this series, but we know that's always possible. But yeah, pull I think the only, Kershaw. I love it. Yeah, he's got to pull a sad Kershaw. And then <laughs> San Diego's just got to turn this into a shootout where, you know, they do have the firepower to match up with the Dodgers probably as well as any other lineup does, you know, in the majors, I would say. Yeah, I mean, the lineup is not the the concern. It's just the Dodgers have five real starters, and now the Padres are down to two. Yeah, I agree. So uh, you have anything else we want to talk about before we talk about baseball again on Tuesday night? We, You know, we keep... <laughs> we keep ignoring the Marlins. I want to talk a little bit about the Marlins. Did you see that Jesus Aguilar video that was circulating around today where he's just smoking the cigar in front of the camera? I did and, not, but I, I do apologize for keep neglecting the Marlins. They're probably the best postseason franchise of all time. They've never lost a playoff series. They the Mar- First of all, the Marlins social media team is unbelievable. They are so good at what they do. And they posted this Jesus Aguilar clip where he's just smoking a cigar, talking about how he's looking forward to cl- to catching the flight, and they just posted it with the caption, like, Jesus Aguilar catches flights, not feelings. <laughs> and, oh, man, it's so good. I know that both me and Aaron are not, you know, this season has an asterisk people because uh, winning a World Series is hard no matter what circumstances it's Unless under. Unless the Dodgers win, then it's an asterisk season. <laughs> but if the if the Marlins knock out the Dodgers and win the World Series, or if it's like a Marlins-Astros who were under 500 for the year World Series, I could not blame you for saying that <laughs> this season has an asterisk on it, honestly. Dude, if the Marlins take out the Dodgers and then win the World Series, I'm going to buy a championship t-shirt because <laughs> that would be incredible. Uh, if, if they actually take out the Dodgers, I would love that so much. But they have They have merch going out right now that just says bottom feeders. Yeah, did you hear the story behind that? No, wait, what was it? Yeah, so during the first weekend of the year, the Marlins, before they all got COVID, they opened the year against the Phillies. And like game one, the Phillies broadcast came on the air and right off the bat said, look, if the Phillies want to have a good year, it's a short season, so they can't be losing the they can't be losing games against the Marlins who are going to be the bottom feeders of the NL East. That's really funny. That's what the Phillies announcer said game one. So then the Marlins were like, look, we're zero and zero right now. We haven't even lost a game yet. Like no one has even played a game yet. And you're already calling us bottom feeders. So yeah, that kind of became the rallying cry. And that is the story behind the t-shirts, which are pretty, pretty sick t-shirts. I'd say. That's such a feel good team too. That, I mean, that is one thing that's going to be a little missed. If the, this expanded playoffs is gone teams like the giants and the, and the Marlins that just exceed expectations so much usually those teams go 78 and 82 and you know they they don't get anything for it but now they at least get a chance yeah and i mean we sixto and sandy alcantara that is a dangerous combo in a three-game series as the cubs found out and you know all it takes is a couple big hits and the marlins got the big hits when the cubs didn't but look now we've got marlins braves Obviously, the Braves' offense struggled um, almost as much as the Reds' offense did in that series. (laughs) But do you have any initial thoughts on that series? I was pretty impressed with Max Fried and Ian Anderson. Yeah, it's it's amazing the the amount of young arms that are being trotted out here. This is going to be a Max Fried, Ian Anderson, Sixto Sanchez, Sandy Alcantara games one and two, which I don't think any of those players are over like 23 years old. 
Yeah, he, no, and then uh, Kyle Wright was slated to throw game three for the Braves. And look, we watched some Kyle Wright this year. He really wasn't – didn't really look like he was fully ready, yet he was going to be their game three do-or-die starter. So I think that could potentially be a problem. But, yeah, go ahead with what you were saying. Yeah, but both teams have those – the issue behind their number two starter. There's there's some some gaps on both rosters. I, I, I'm definitely leaning Braves. That offense is just better. The bullpen is better. The – the defense is better. Um, it's. I think the Braves win that series in in four games. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that they're better. It's just whether, you know, the Marlins have never lost a postseason series. So do we? <laughs> oh, believe- you are you are if, really buying into this narrative, aren't you? You you I love mean, you said the magic word. Narrative. That's all. <laughs> that's what it's about, man. This is a narrative podcast. The Braves just won their first postseason series in like a million years. The Marlins have never lost one. They're coming in with a bunch of confidence. They've got the bottom feeders narrative. It's a division series, so it's not like they're unfamiliar with what the Braves are about to throw at them. So I don't know. I mean, I would be surprised if the Marlins won the series, but would I be shocked if it went five games? No, I don't think I would be. I mean, that's a, that's the thing. I wouldn't be shocked if any team won their series besides maybe the maybe the <laughs> maybe the Padres, which. I feel bad even saying it, but that's that's sort of the way baseball works. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked anyway. I would be a little surprised if if the Marlins pull it out. Yeah, no, I mean that's definitely fair. The Braves bullpen was was very impressive against the Reds, but now I'm questioning everything I ever thought of every central team. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, we we might look up a week from now and be like, man, those Braves sure were pretenders weren't they yeah like they, how scored, they, they scored zero runs in in three games yeah the nl east just has all the good teams or no that the nl west just has all the good teams yeah the other two divisions are fraudulent all right well unless you got any more baseball to talk about i think we can move on to the nfl dfs slate for this sunday i am ready to talk about some football man do i love football sundays i we do the two podcasts every week uh so far just breaking down the NFL slate is always going to be my favorite segment, but man, no disrespect to the other segments, but I love breaking down these NFL slates. I'm, I'm glad to hear you're so enthusiastic. You're so enthusiastic. In fact, I believe you have the first section when, or the first selection when we're talking about quarterback up here, uh, you, you really love paying up for somebody. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would say I love the idea this week, but look, when you can play, when you can start your lineup with, Patrick, all my homies love to play Mahomes at $7,400. I don't think that is ever a bad idea because, look, he's going up against the Patriots defense. The Pats defense had a handful of impactful starters opt out before the season even started, and then people are just going around acting like that didn't even happen. Um, People still are afraid to target this team in daily fantasy, but look, so far this season, the Pats are 25th in defensive DVOA, and they're 27th overall against the pass. And look, we know that Mahomes is capable of putting up points via passing, obviously. So I think there's plenty of great options. And then Belichick and Cam are definitely going to try to just keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. They're going to try to keep him on the sideline with the run game. But look, Mahomes is the third most expensive QB on the slate. So anytime that's the case, I'm going to have interest. I think Russell Wilson is probably going to be the chalk. So if you can give me Mahomes at a cheaper price than Russ, I think Mahomes probably outscores him, you know, here. So I think I would lean Mahomes actually if I'm paying up for quarterback. 
Yeah, I, I don't hate Mahomes either, and especially for all the reasons you listed. The the New England defense, people, I mean, you're right. <laughs> people do not believe in this new New England defense that looks nothing like the one that was there last year. I will go ahead and counter your Mahomes pick with a guy that I think I like a little more. I like Josh Allen for only 100 bucks less. If you look at the game logs this year, you will see clearly that Josh Allen has been the most consistent quarterback all year, which is a sentence that actually feels wrong as it comes out of my mouth. But he's against a Raiders defense that I just really don't believe in at all. I, I see on DraftKings especially that they're the sixth-ranked defense in in uh, quarterback points allowed. I don't care. I don't think it that matters for Josh Allen. The Raiders' offense, though, feels like that they could exploit the Bills' not very elite rushing defense with Josh Jacobs, and I think Josh Allen might actually need to throw the way he's been throwing the first three weeks. If Zach Moss is out especially, I expect Josh Allen to sort of function as the second running back, which is what he did last week. So I think you're getting, you know, 35 DraftKings points here. And if you're not playing Mahomes, I really like Allen. If you're not playing Deshaun Watson, who I also like a lot, I, I like Josh Allen, but I'll, I'll let you go ahead and take Deshaun Watson. Yeah, uh, the thing with Allen is I think I respect the Raiders' defense slightly more than you do. I kind of like their pass rush, but I definitely like Josh Allen this week. Uh, and also, I don't want people to think we're just neglecting Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. They're obviously both in great spots. So if you like those guys, go ahead and pull the trigger. But, you know, we got to pick and choose our guys here. So we're kind of leaning Mahomes and Josh Allen to, at the top here. But Ben did mention it. Uh, one guy that I know we both like this week, and that is going to be Deshaun Watson. He's kind of in a different pricing tier. He gets to drop down all the way to 6,600. Uh, he gets a matchup here versus the Vikings, who we know the Vikings have been struggling this year. The total in this game is 53 and a half, so that's a pretty pretty high total. Deshaun Watson is here at home. All of his weapons are healthy, including Will Fuller. And look, the main thing here, I kind of think this could be a sneaky ownership play. People are going to click on Watson and see his game log, and they're going to see 18 points, 15 points, and 21. And I think they're kind of going to shy away because of that. But look, his matchups have been absolutely terrible. He's gone up against the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Steelers. So he finally gets to play a soft defense here. All of his uh, weapons are healthy. We know it's an absolute must-win game for both of these teams. I think Watson is a really good tournament play. I definitely think you can play Watson in cash. I just I don't see how he doesn't break out this week against a Minnesota defense that's been getting scored on all year. Yeah, you mentioned it. We are in total agreement here. I think that Watson is actually going to end up being the best pure value on the slate at 6,600. I would pay. I would play him both in cash and tournaments. Look, the the Texans are zero and three. That is not a secret. You mentioned their schedule was super hard to begin the year. I'm not even a Texans fan. I still think they're going to finish the year nine and seven at the at the low end. And I think this is certainly one of the games that they're going to win, which I guess you will see in my in my bets for the week. But Watson is is too talented of a quarterback to not break out. The Minnesota defense is just horrible. 6,600 is a absolutely great price here. He will not be this cheap next week. I'm, I'm going to make that prediction. Yeah, no, I mean, we know Watson is capable of dropping, you know, 40 plus points and it's going to happen eventually. And I think this could definitely be the spot that it happens. Um, my next guy here is going to be Matthew Stafford. Look, we needed to have a discussion about the Saints defense, especially for this week. And, that discussion is the Saints are down two corners this week. 
They're down a pass rusher. They lost all of them due to injury. Um, they're on the road in Detroit this week. This defense came into the week 28th in fantasy points allowed to opposing QBs. And now, you know, they have all the injuries I just mentioned. Stafford gets to come back home here to Detroit in a dome. He has a fully healthy Kenny Galladay. All of his other weapons are fully healthy. The total here is 54. We know the Lions defense is also bad, so this could just turn into a total shootout. I really, really like Stafford this week. Another guy who is game log might scare some people off, but I think this is by far his best matchup of the year. It's the highest total of the year for the Lions game. I mean, Ben, do you like Matthew Stafford as much as I do this week? Because I absolutely love him, I think. I don't think I like him as much as you do, mostly just because Sean Payton's teams always scare me. But I, I definitely do like him, especially at this price point at, at 5900 I think this is a absolutely great tournament play, especially if you're going to stack him with a, a cheap Kenny Galladay and a cheap TJ Hawkinson. The, I mean, the that stack is is really not very expensive this week. And and you're right about the Saints from a from a stats perspective. Their defense is not good. I really just pictured you with like the Charles Barkley meme of we're going to start a narrative about or we have to start a dialogue with the <laughs> with the Saints defense. <laughs> there there but, has to be a conversation. Yeah, but I, I I agree. Stafford is definitely a good play and and the best play down here in this price range, I think. Yeah, so you like him more than this next guy I'm going to mention is that's going to be Ryan Fitzmagic. Um, look, it's hard to imagine a better matchup for a passing game right now than going up against the Seahawks defense, who they rank near the back of every single relevant category that I could give you right here. Um, we know Fitzpatrick is capable of throwing three interceptions at any given moment in time, but he is also capable of throwing four touchdowns and going for 400 yards. We've seen him do it before. And this is a matchup in where I think that could actually happen. Um Look, I'm gonna. I'll talk about this a lot later in the bet segment, but I think the Seahawks, coming off a big win versus the Cowboys, traveling to Florida for a 12 o'clock kickoff, I think the Seahawks and especially their defense come out pretty sluggish this week. Uh, their one really good defensive player is Jamal Adams. He is not playing this week, so that secondary gets even worse. So I think you give Ryan Fitzpatrick at $5,400 here a great matchup. No Jamal Adams against a team that I think is going to come out a little sluggish. And man, at 5,400, you can build a real nice tournament lineup around him. Did I just convince you on Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ben? The thing with Ryan Fitzpatrick is that if he breaks the slate, I'm, I won't feel bad about it. I'm just going to take my min cash and, and deal with the fact that somebody pulled the trigger on Ryan Fitzpatrick and it wasn't me because I am never doing it. I agree with you. If you were ever going to play Ryan Fitzpatrick, this is probably the week. I'm still not doing it. You're not doing it in tournaments. I can't convince you for one tournament lineup. You you can't convince me. No. All right. Well, I mean, have fun staring up at me on the leaderboards, I guess. <laughs> and I, mean, I, could, I, could, I could see him throwing three touchdowns. Yeah, no, I, I just, mean, I think he will. I just, I don't think the fourth one is there. I think there's going to be some interceptions thrown in there. I think that Deshaun at 6,600 is just such a more sure thing for only 1,200 bucks extra. Yeah, and I mean, just to be clear, I like Ryan Fitzpatrick in tournaments. I I do not want this man anywhere near my cash lineups. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for tournaments, I mean, if you're making multiple lineups, I think you it is a very good idea to have a Ryan Fitzpatrick, Devontae Parker stack against this 
Seahawks defense that has no pass rush and now no Jamal Adams in the already pretty weak secondary. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at it. It's just I have a personal Ryan Fitzpatrick block. Yeah, no, that's fine. I respect that. I have the same thing with Freddie Freeman. <laughs> I, I know. I forgot about your Freddie Freeman thing. <laughs> All right. You want to move on to running back here? Or you got any more quarterbacks yeah. for me? No, I, I got no more quarterbacks for you. Go ahead and take running back. All right. So, look, we're going to start here with Alvin Kamara. Look, I always knew Alvin Kamara had like a really cool grill. But last night when they were playing the Packers on Sunday Night Football, they showed a close-up of him. And the inside of that man's mouth is just composed of nothing but diamonds. It's like actually incredible. Ben, if you have a mouth that's composed of nothing but diamonds, how exactly do you brush your teeth? I imagine it's not with like the crest, like blue toothpaste. That seems like that's not it. Oh, finally, all of my pawn shop experience comes into comes into play on the sports podcast that <laughs> that we both run. No, I, I, I have no idea. You probably brush it with like, like 14 karat gold acid or I have no idea. Caviar maybe (laughs) like I, okay, but actually let's get to the football point. Besides the fact that his teeth are made of diamonds, Kamara, in my opinion, I'll, I'll see if Ben agrees with me, but Kamara is a 100% no brainer, absolute lock button in cash games this week. You literally have to play Alvin Kamara in your cash games. I, you can just click on his game log and look at it if you want to. I'm not going to spend the time doing it because, look, it's a matchup versus Detroit in a dome. Michael Thomas is out again. I I am not making a cash lineup without him, and I don't think I'm making a lineup period without Alvin Kamara this week. Look, if he's in the lineup that wins me the millionaire maker, I too am going to have a mouth filled with diamond teeth. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I am – I. And probably playing Kamara in my cash lineups, yes. I absolutely do not agree that he'll be in all my lineups. That's not because I don't think he's in a good spot, because he obviously is, and he's probably going to put up 35 points. But I love a lot of these mid-priced, high-floor running backs for cash or for a tournament lineup where you're really throwing out something crazy. Like if you're doing the the Detroit stack I talked about earlier, and you feel like you really need some running backs that will get you a sure... 20, 20 DraftKings points. I really like some of the mid-tier guys that we're going to get into later, and there's just not enough spots for me to slot Kamara into every lineup and play all the guys who I think have super high floors. Yeah, I understand that argument. And we do talk about in tournaments, you know, you, there's never a guy in tournaments that you have to play in every lineup because, you know, the whole point of a tournament lineup is to get a little original with it. You got to have some guys that are low-owned. But I just think for me personally this week, I think the winning lineup in every single tournament is going to have Alvin Kamara in it, and I would just prefer to get creative at other spots in my lineup. But you have other guys that you like that you're going to get more creative with, and uh, I'll let you start to talk about one of those guys right here. Yeah, one of them is definitely Josh Jacobs this week. Uh, I am a Bills fan, so take this with a grain of salt, but people overvalue the Bills' rushing defense because the defense as a whole is so elite. Last year, so 2019, they were worse than the Raiders and the Giants in running back fantasy points allowed. So if you would have played a, a premium top 10 running back against the 2019 Oakland Raiders or New York Giants, then you should probably be looking to play Josh Jacobs against the Bills this year because it's the exact same defense as 2019. So I expect something for Josh Jacobs. I expect something similar to his week one production. Three touchdowns is obviously not sustainable, but maybe more like two touchdowns and some more yardage. 
Uh, I think that the Raiders are just going to going to sit on this man's back and let him work his way into the end zone basically all day. Cause the bills, especially up the middle, their rushing defense is not as elite as their reputation would have you believe. Hmm. Okay. You might've just stole me on Josh Jacobs right there because I am a believer in Josh Jacobs. So the one thing that was scaring me off was just the initial look at the bills defense, but you might've sold me right there. But the next guy I'm going to bring up is just $300 cheaper and that's going to be James Robinson. He's the running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think people are going to probably overlook James Robinson here just because they say, why am I going to pay $6,500 for this guy I've never heard of? But I actually like him in this spot here against the Bengals. The Bengals are 26 versus the running back position this year as far as fantasy points go. Robinson is uh, the do-it-all back for this team. Look, if the Jaguars are behind, he's going to be catching passes. If the Jaguars are ahead, he is going to be the guy getting the carries, trying to put the game away. Uh, we saw him get a high usage in pretty much all three weeks to start the season. So I think he's a pretty good cash option. I think he's going to be pretty low in the tournaments if you want to sneak him in there too. I just think he's a guy that has 30-point upside in this slot and is pretty safe because of his usage in uh, both the passing and the running game. Yeah, the, the floor is there. I think the price is a little too high. I am one of the people who's going to be scared off by the price tag of 6500 um, I will freely admit that. I think there's higher floor guys, lower that, that I'd rather take. But James Robinson could definitely win you a tournament. He put up a lot of points last week. Yeah, no, I do like him. Um, another guy that I like is going to be Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt comes in here at $6,200. Look, they're obviously playing the Cowboys this week, which every time someone plays the Cowboys, it's going to be a big bump to that team fantasy-wise. But I think Kareem Hunt is the guy that benefits the most from this matchup against the Cowboys, just in the sense that this game could easily turn into a shootout. And if this game doesn't turn, if this game does turn into a shootout, we know Kareem Hunt is the running back of choice for the passing game usage there in Cleveland. So I think he's a great tournament play because he has a little questionable tag next to his name. But he practiced today, so I think he's going to be ready to go. Obviously, people don't love playing him when they know you know Nick Chubb is also a factor there in that backfield. But I think both of those factors keep his ownership down here. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is the week where Nick Chubb, uh, where Kareem Hunt outscores Nick Chubb, and it's Kareem Hunt getting the 30-burger 30, 30 against this terrible Cowboys defense. What do you think about Kareem Hunt here? Yeah, I don't hate Kareem Hunt either. I Again, I will freely admit, I don't think I'm playing him in any of my lineups either. There are just so many guys further down that I really like at running back. I think I'm paying up elsewhere uh, on this specific slate. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, can I interest you in Devin Singletary? What are your thoughts there? Devin Singletary finally got a single carry. As I told you he would last week, being the only running back in here. It's the same, it's the same deal as last week. If Zach Moss is out, Devin Singletary at $5,900 is a great option. If he could even find the end zone one time, he's going to score you 25 points because he is pretty much a lock for 100 scrimmage yards just with the sheer workload that he's going to get. So if Moss is out, I love Singletary. If Moss is in, I'm not playing either of them. I'm not playing Zach Moss, and I'm not playing Devin Singletary. So that's that's sort of where I, where I stand on on Singletary. He's definitely one of the options I was talking about when I talk about high-floor, low-priced running backs this week. Yeah, no, I mean, I 100% agree with that stance. Uh, I'm, I view single carry as exactly the same as you do this week. Um, one guy slightly cheaper is going to be Mike Davis, um, running back for the Panthers. He comes in at $5,700. Look, this game has a 51 total, 
Um, it's a matchup here against the Cardinals, which is, you know, pretty good, not outstanding. Uh, we saw the Panthers basically give him the Christian McCaffrey role last week. He had 13 carries and nine targets. Um, he looked pretty good on the eye test. He just looked like a good running back. He was making all the right reads. He was hitting the holes. He looked pretty explosive. I think 5,700 with this workload that he's going to get in this game, I think is a very safe cash game option. And if he falls into the end zone two or three times, he obviously has the tournament upside. So I do like Mike Davis here. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm shocked at how much they're actually giving him the ball. It's like their coaching staff just didn't feel like adjusting the game plan when when McCaffrey went down, and they just slotted Davis in to get the same amount of touches as the best running back in the league. It's he's always involved in every drive, and I'm I'm shocked at that. And so for 5,700, you're getting a pass catching running back who is going to catch, you know, seven passes, which which is a lot. Yeah, no, I mean, that's why we both like him this week. And another guy that we expect to have high usage is uh, going to be David Johnson. Ben, you like David Johnson this week? I'll let you take this one. That's the thing. I realize now that I've basically advocated for a Texan stack and will continue to do so. So I guess that's where I'm at this week. But David Johnson at 5,600 is my absolute lock of the week. This The Vikings can't stop the run or the pass. David Johnson works well in both. Bill O'Brien is desperate to show that he did not just trade his best player away for a washed running back like everybody sort of seems to think he did. He is getting David Johnson involved. He's coming off the Steelers and the Ravens, so his game log doesn't look great. But the Vikings are no Steelers, and the Vikings are no Ravens. David Johnson will be freed. He will catch passes. He's played in 90% of the snaps this year. 5,600 is... So cheap, and I understand why it is looking at his game log, but David Johnson has always been an explosive elite running back, and I would not at all be surprised if he outscores everybody on this slate besides maybe Alvin Kamara. Ooh, yeah, that's a, that seems like a pretty hot take, but I do like it. I do like David Johnson this week for the raw points. I think he's really good value. Um, my next guy here is going to be more of a tournament play. It's going to be a little sneakier, and that's going to be Miles Gaskin, the running back for the Miami Dolphins. Look, I already talked about the Seattle defense. We know how I feel about the Seattle defense. And the main thing here is Miles Gaskin got 22 carries last week, and he had five catches. So I just like the Dolphins' offense in general this week. I'm not going to play him in the same lineup as I play Fitzpatrick, obviously. But look, Miles Gaskin is their workhorse running back. You can get him for only $5,000. He played 75% of the snaps last week. I think he's going to come in a really low ownership. He's really cheap, and I think he's a good sneaky tournament play here. Yeah, I agree on Gaskin. Five, you can't. It's hard to go wrong with five thousand. If you really don't like Gaskin, you need another sort of cheap running back. I think Ronald Jones is great. Leonard Fournette is out, and that's Ronald Jones's biggest worry as to week to week production. We saw Ronald Jones kind of be freed in in week one, was it, where Leonard Fournette only had like five carries, and Ronald Jones actually actually had a pretty good week, and I, I sort of expect that to happen again. The Chargers' defense is banged up, and you know, at forty seven hundred, definitely Ronald Jones for cash for tournaments. I I think I think he's a good all around play. Yeah, I think Ronald Jones is probably my favorite RB two in cash. Um, I think you know maybe the move in cash is going to just be play Kamara, David Johnson, and Ronald Jones because certainly the salaries work out where you can do that. But I think at forty seven hundred with no Leonard Fournette, uh, Ronald Jones is going to get the work. However, the game script works out. I think they're going to be beating the Chargers, which means I think they're going to be trying to hand it to Ronald Jones to put away the Chargers late. $4,700, he's, 
He is my favorite running back too in cash games to pair with Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I mean, we we agree there, and and for good reason, I would say. So if you're ready to to get into wide receivers, I'm I'm good to go. If you are, yeah, I am good to go with wide receivers. We have a lot of them that we like this week. That is true. I am probably paying up a wide receiver because I've mentioned how much I like the cheap running back value. I I definitely do not hate your your. Kamara, David Johnson, Ronald Jones, but even that sort of allows you to pay up for maybe one wide wide receiver if you want to go cheap at tight end or something. And so in this upper echelon of wide receivers, I'm targeting Tyreek Hill. This is he's gonna be my favorite pay up guy. Tyreek Hill can easily just avoid Stephon Gilmore this game. I don't mean shake him out of his shoes. I mean go to the side of the field in which he is not. And there's not much left of the New England secondary as we remember them besides Gilmore. So I think, you know, with Mahomes at home, two touchdowns is very possible. And I think his floor is like 18 points because he's put up 20 or more in in both past weeks. Yeah, uh, I do like Tyree Kill. You know, I mentioned that I like Mahomes. And if I'm playing Mahomes in like a tournament and I want to stack him, I think I would prefer to stack him with Hill as opposed to Kelsey just because I think if Belichick is going to take one of these guys away with a scheme, it's probably going to be Kelsey. Um. I'm not going to spend all the way up at wide receiver this week. I'm probably not playing Hopkins, whether he plays or not. I'm probably only playing Tyreek Hill in a Mahomes stack. And the reason is, I think a lot of these mid-range wide receivers, I just think they have a chance to outscore the high-end the high end wide receivers, just raw points. And then you factor in, obviously, the reduced salary and let it what it lets you do with the rest of your lineup. So, yeah, I'm targeting more of the mid-range wide receivers and uh, – my first guy is going to be Robert Woods, Ben, and then I'll let you hop back up to your more expensive guy. But yeah, Robert Woods here going up against the Giants. The Giants are 30th against the pass. Woods, we know, is kind of the engine of this passing offense for the Rams. And look, Sean McVay is going to have no difficulty at all getting Robert Woods the ball in space against this pretty soft um, Giants pass defense. Yeah, I, I certainly don't hate Robert Woods. My only my only concern would be that the Giants start losing so quickly in this game that the Rams can just pound the ball. I think that's something that needs to be looked out for. The Giants have not looked good, and in particular, like, Daryl Henderson looks very good, and just that three-headed running attack they have now, I'm I'm sort of into the two-tight-end power running game that the Rams have, not for a fantasy perspective, but from a team perspective. Uh, they, against the Bills, I mean, they got nothing going until – until the run game got established and then they had to start throwing the ball like crazy. But, but I definitely don't hate Robert Woods. I think you're right. If the game is close at all, Robert Woods is in a ridiculously good spot where Sean McVay can just scheme him open the way he always does. Somebody who I think I like a little more, he is a little more expensive is Adam Thielen. This is closer to mid range than, you know, super high priced. He's only 6,600. The Vikings are just going to be losing, I think. I think that the Houston offense is 100% going to put up points, and I think that they're going to be throwing Adam Thielen. The Houston has, Houston has nothing in the secondary. I think Thielen is grabbing that 100-yard bonus, and if he hits the end zone, then he's super valued this week. Yeah, I think so too. I do like Thielen. Um, I think he's sneaky. I, I just don't like the way that offense has looked. I mean, I know the Texans' defense isn't nothing to be afraid of, but – I don't know, man. That offense just scares me. Like I thought about listing Dalvin Cook as a running back play, then I kind of just shied away from that. I don't know what it is. Um, can I interest you in an Adam Thielen versus Robert Woods straight up points gentleman's bet? 
Yeah, you you can interest me in that. So I we're just gonna count this on top of the baseball one. We're not we're not gonna do it separate, are we? No, yeah, we're just gonna keep a running tally. So I'm up one zero right now. So and this will be the second one. All right, gentlemen's bet: Thielen versus Woods. You got me rooting against the Texans. All right, lock it in. It's official. <laughs> All right. Um, I mentioned I like Woods. He's probably more of a tournament option. That's because these next two guys I'm going to talk about are absolutely my favorite cash game wide receivers this week. And the first one is going to be Tyler Boyd. That is uh, $6,100 here. Look, he's going up against the Jags. The Jags are dead last in DVOA versus the pass this year. Um, we know the Bengals have been airing it out this year. Um, it definitely seems like Joe Burrow and Tyler Boyd have made a connection so far. That seems like definitely the main guy that Joe Burrow is locked in on so far in this passing game. Look, he's going up against the Jaguars. Tyler Boyd had 13 targets last week, which he turned into like 25 fantasy points. He's going to be my favorite wide receiver in cash games, and I I like him a lot in tournaments as well. I hope he comes into low ownership. I don't know why he would. If he does, people are dumb because Tyler Boyd is going to score a lot of points this week. Yeah, I agree. And Burrow really seems to love Tyler Boyd. You you sort of mentioned it. I'm I'm shocked every time I watch the Bengals play just how much he's throwing this man's way when he has AJ Green and Joe Mixon on the same field. But uh, you you have written down here Kenny Galladay at six grand right below him. I know you love him too. I am super big on Kenny Galladay this week. If Marshawn Lattimore was there, I I wouldn't be, but he's not. And so I think six thousand dollars for like a top ten receiver is. You really can't beat that. Yeah, look, I mean, I absolutely love Kenny Galladay this week. We mentioned the injuries in the Saints secondary. Uh, I do think Galladay is like a high-end, real-life wide receiver, as you mentioned. So if you can get him for just 6K in a dream spot in a dome, I mean, he was injured early in the year, but he played last week. He looked good. Now he's going to be even healthier. I absolutely love Kenny Galladay, and Man, I am. I cannot wait to fire up uh, Matthew Stafford, Kenny Galladay stacks and tournaments. I think that could be the winner. Yeah, and and going down, you know, I, I mentioned that a that a Texan stack might be the way to go. Will Fuller is only fifty nine hundred dollars. He just came off the injury report yesterday after only being on there for one day. We know that this man's hamstrings are are more fragile than the state of the economy right now, but. He is in a just, I mean, Minnesota is a matchup made in heaven. This is the absolute perfect spot for Will Fuller to break the slate. We know that he's done it before and he can do it again. Will Fuller at 5,900 is a tournament. Just, I I don't want to say he's a tournament lock because there's no such thing. But if there was a guy to win you a tournament, this would be it. Yeah, if you're making a tournament lineup and you're starting it with Deshaun Watson, I don't really see how you don't stack him with Will Fuller here. Um, we've seen him have the 180-yard, three-touchdown game. He has those pretty often when he is healthy. He is healthy at this single moment in time. That is not a guarantee that he's going to be healthy in the third quarter of this game, but as of right now, he is healthy. And honestly, because of that, yeah. Honestly, it's not a guarantee that he's going to be healthy five minutes from now. Yeah, I don't know. It is our understanding that at the beginning of the recording of this podcast – that he is alive and well and like not currently injured, but I don't know. We'll see by the time this podcast drops, but yeah, Will <laughs> Fuller in tournaments, uh, play him in every single lineup that you're also playing Deshaun Watson. God, that's so funny. Will Fuller's hamstrings make us go into like legal diction, like, like business law contract language, just to, 
clarify that we think he's healthy. Yeah, we yeah. I mean, the hamstrings are made of popsicle sticks and glue, but as of right now, the popsicle sticks and glue are sticking together, and they are ready to torch this Viking secondary, in our opinion. So another guy who I think that Devontae Parker at 5,700 is going to be the other maybe tournament slate breaker. I don't want to talk about it too much because I already mentioned the Miami stack and you mentioned the Miami stack and and it's it's certainly a, a viable way to go. The only reason I say Devontae Parker might do this is, I mean, do you remember those, those two 40 burgers he had last year, like in back-to-back weeks where everybody suddenly went, oh, this guy's an elite, an elite wide receiver? Well, yeah, I mean, there was a stat last year. It was like from week 10 on, he was like the wide receiver two behind Michael Thomas. So it wasn't even just like two weeks. Like he was like legitimately great last year when he was healthy and Fitzpatrick took over. It's just that, you know, Fitzpatrick is going to throw these balls up and it's either going to be him or the DB catching them because it's basically a 50-50 shot every time when Ryan Fitzpatrick throws the ball. But he's a elite real-life receiver against a horrible Seattle secondary. So take that 50-50 and put it a little more Devontae Parker's way. And I think at 5,700, he could catch two touchdowns and have 150 yards. And if you in, in a tournament, if you put him and Will Fuller on the field at the same time and they both go off, you are deep in you are deep in the money this week, and the the pricing works out to where you can basically take Galladay, Fuller, Parker, and have three guys who could all catch two touchdowns easily, and not pay very much for it. Yeah, I mean, and we, Galladay, Fuller, Parker—they're all six k or less. And if you're playing Galladay, Fuller, Parker, that means you're probably playing either Watson, Stafford, or Fitzpatrick. So that means like you have the money for Kamara. I just think it's like a perfect lineup build this week. But yeah, I mean, I mentioned my love for Fitzpatrick. If I play Fitzpatrick, I'm going to stack him with Devontae Parker just because I think that's the number one dude that's going to torch the secondary. So yeah, I mean, I'm definitely 100% with you on that call. Um, Another guy that I mentioned last week and was probably like my best call of the podcast so far was Andy Isabella. He came through at a really cheap price last week with with two touchdowns. Um, Look, now he's 4,500 bucks, so definitely more expensive uh, this is tough to talk about right now, recording on Friday night, because DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk, they both seem like very questionable, like legitimate game time decisions. So this is kind of a wait and see thing. But I do think if one or both of those guys are out, um, Andy Isabella is definitely right back in play. We didn't even see him score like the long 70 yard touchdown that he's capable of. So I do think uh, I still think that's coming. So I do like Isabella if the injuries kind of fall the right way. Yeah, I just want to mention, I mean, there is a huge price drop-off here. We just went from Devontae Parker to Andy Isabella, and there are certainly players in between 5,700 and 4,500. Personally, I think that there's also a drop-off in production that goes from 5,700 to 4,500, and there are three, four guys that we really like down here, including, I'm, I, I, I really like Andy Isabella, I agree. If either of those guys are out, Andy Isabella is a good tournament option for sure. Brandon Cooks at 4,500. So I called Randall Cobb last week. That was sort of my call of the week. Randall Cobb hadn't done anything up to that point. He caught a touchdown and had 50 yards and was a good cash play like I like I said he was. I think Brandon Cooks might be that guy this week. Not in cash, but uh, in tournaments. If it's not Will Fuller, it's, it's going to be Brandon Cooks. Minnesota secondary is not going to be able to keep up with all the speed on the field from Stills, Cobb, Cooks, and and Fuller. If I if we, if you do think Deshaun Watson's going to throw for three touchdowns, I don't think it's with a, with it's impossible for Brandon Cooks to catch one. 
he has not yet had the season-ending concussion. So if you're high on him like me, or and if you were before the year, I mean, he was going 80th in in season-long drafts. You might want to throw him out there while you can because he finally seems healthy from that that quad hamstring injury that was hurting him for the first three three weeks of the year. So this might be the cheapest you ever get him. Yeah, the more I think about this Brandon Cooks play, the more I actually like it because, look, as much as we're hoping the Texans go overlooked here, um, they're probably going to be a pretty popular tournament stack as far as Watson and Fuller go. So if you want to get really creative and really unique, you could actually stack Watson here with Cooks and just maybe bank on Fuller actually pulling a hamstring, which we know is in the cards. So I think that is one way to make your Texans stack a little unique here and you can just stack Cooks instead of Fuller for a discount, which will make the rest of your lineup even better. So I do like that call a lot. Yeah, and then the other one I have is Zach Pascal at 4,400. Suddenly he's wide receiver two because the Colts wideout group just all experienced sympathy pains at the exact wrong time. (laughs) So he should get a lot of volume in this new Colts offense with Phillip Rivers, who can definitely still throw a football. And this is, again, probably the cheapest he's going to be for the rest of the year. I wouldn't even be opposed to throwing him out there in cash. I think the floor is high. I think there's no way that he doesn't get maybe eight targets is is a is probably realistic. It's just him and T.Y. Hilton out there now. Yeah, uh, I think that's fine. He's going up against the Bears, so I don't really think the ceiling is quite there, even though, yeah, you did mention he's a wide receiver too. So I probably personally am not going to be playing Zach Pascal, but – if he goes off, uh, more power to you, and we will be sure to clip this and put it on Twitter because that would be a good call. Well, um, I, don't, I don't even I don't even think he's going off, but at 4,400, if you're looking for somebody to round out your cash lineup, I think Pascal is a good option. Yeah, I if mean, you that, have. That, that's, even, that's even cheaper than Ronald Jones. Yeah, this is just if you have the perfect lineup and there's $4,400 left. Yeah. The Jay Bruce theory, basically. The Jay Bruce, yeah. Oh, he seems like a guy who's going to homer off Max Scherzer. Yeah, the Jay Bruce theory. Um, <laughs> so my really sneaky call this week is going to be uh, Keyshawn Johnson. This is not the, the really famous Keyshawn Johnson. This is going to be the wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, he is the min price at $3,000. This is obviously the same scenario as Andy Isabella. Um, Probably both Hopkins and Christian Kirk would need to be out for me to really be all in on Keyshawn Johnson. But look, last week, DeAndre Hopkins played, and Keyshawn Johnson still played 71% of the offensive snaps last week, and he had seven targets. So, And he's only $3,000. So if all the injuries fall the right way, I absolutely love Keyshawn Johnson this week. And I definitely think he's someone that you need to just keep in the back of your mind once you see if Hopkins and Kirk are out, your first thought needs to be, look, Keyshawn Johnson is the minimum price, and he is all of a sudden a really good play in all formats, in my opinion. Yeah, again, we talked about this when you mentioned KJ Hamler last week. I, I can never criticize a, a min price call because there's only upside there. Yeah, all right. Uh, probably no more wide receivers below minimum price Keyshawn Johnson, mm-hmm. right? I hope not. I'm we we I might lose my mind. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let you take it with tight end here then. Yeah, I, I like Mark Andrews this week at at six K. He's not actually the top of the list. The top of the list is Travis Kelsey, who I sort of agree with you. If there's somebody that Bill Belichick is going to scheme out, it's going to be Travis Kelsey. So if I'm paying up for tight end, I'm going to go with Mark Andrews. The nameless football team are bad at covering tight ends. 
They're also good in run defense. So Baltimore might have to actually throw the ball. Lamar is coming off a really bad week, and I think he's going to look for his safety valve again. It's just the Baltimore special where the run game is going to get them down the field, and then Lamar is going to throw to Mark Andrews in the end zone three times. And uh, at, at 6,000, I'm, if I'm paying up for it, I'm, I'm going to go with Mark Andrews. Yeah, I do like the Andrews call. I, I agree it might be a little tougher for them to run on, and I do think uh, Jackson has something to prove in the passing game coming off last week. But uh, my top tight end here as far as pricing goes is going to be Mike Gusecki. Um, he's $5,100. He's playing against the Seattle defense. We know a lot of times um, covering tight ends falls on the responsibility of the safety, which normally um, against Seattle, I'd be like, Jamal Adams, I do not want any part of that. But – Jamal Adams is not playing this week, so I really like this matchup against the Seattle secondary for Gusecki. Um, You look at his game log, he's put up six points and then 30 points and then eight. So you can safely assume I'm hoping for something closer to the 30 of those uh, games. But look, I do like Gusecki here. I actually think you can pair him in the same lineup with Fitzpatrick and Parker because, look, if you're playing Fitzpatrick, you're going all in and just hoping for four or five touchdowns. So... There's not a there's no reason if he does throw the four or five touchdowns, he can't evenly split them between Parker and Gasecki. So I do think you can play them both. I also think it's fine to just pick one, but yeah, I think Mike Gasecki clearly has the upside. I think he is closer to thirty than he is to eight this week. Yeah, and, and speaking of stacks, we mentioned the Detroit stack as well. TJ Hawkinson is gonna be a big part of that at forty eight hundred dollars. Even without the stack, if you have no Stafford and no Galladay for whatever reason, I think Galladay might end up being 60% owned. But if you have no Stafford and no Galladay, I would still very much consider TJ Hawkinson at this $4,800 price tag. The New Orleans Saints just cannot cover a tight end. And TJ Hawkinson obviously has this elite level of talent that sort of hasn't been tapped into yet. But the offense is finally healthy with Galladay back. I, I could definitely see him slipping under the radar and just racking up catches in this air raid offense. He's he's always an end zone threat. Now the Lions suddenly have two of those instead of one of those. So it's it's harder to cover both of them. And I know that you have some stats as to why TJ Hawkinson is a really good play this week. Yeah, I mean, this sounds impossible, but the Saints defense, who we mentioned is now going to be worse this week with more injuries. The last two weeks combined, the Saints have given up 24 catches, 240 yards, and three touchdowns to the tight end position. So, yeah, I'm going to agree with you here on Hawkinson after dropping uh, that, that that little stat right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's I think Hawkinson is a just a really good play at 4,800. The 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 value is is certainly there. I will say I only have two other tight ends I really like. And that's going to be Dalton Schultz and Evan Ingram. I'm going to give the slight edge to Ingram there at 4,400. I'm probably paying up for tight end on this slate in some form or fashion, 4,400 or more. The As far as Evan Ingram goes, the Rams just aren't great against tight ends. And at some point, Danny Nichols, is he's just got to start looking the way of his best receiving option, who which is Evan Ingram still. Uh, having a bad three weeks isn't enough for me to write him off and – I just think the talent has to play before he gets injured eventually. Danny Nichols, the disrespect, man. I've been uh, I've been very upset with the fact that he just won't throw to Evan Ingram this year. Yeah, uh, they've kind of been in a similar situation as the Texans. They have had really tough matchups, so I'm kind of hoping that 
Giants passing game start to get going, and Ingram is definitely going to be a big part of that. But uh, yeah, my next guy here is going to be Logan Thomas. He's $3,500. The Baltimore Ravens defense is surprisingly 29th against the tight end position so far this year, which we know it's a limited sample size, but still it's worth uh, noting. Thomas has gotten eight, nine, and seven targets respectively this year. He's playing 83% of the snaps. He's only 3500 bucks, and I, was gonna be, I think he's going to be pretty low-owned here against the Ravens defense, who people just aren't going to want to target, and they're not going to really do the deeper research unless you're listening to this podcast, which, uh, yeah, I think he's sneaky low-owned. I think you can actually play him in cash if you need a cheap tight end, and I do like him in, turn- in tournaments for the ownership. Yeah, I think that Logan Thomas is the best budget option on the slate. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go there because I was so bitter about Evan Ingram. I'm gonna be a little bitter about somebody else. I just want to pause while we're here and just briefly acknowledge that the Cleveland Browns are massacring Austin Hooper's elite receiving abilities. I used to love taking Austin Hooper last year. They turned him into Jack Doyle. So I'm sorry, Austin Hooper. You have seven catches on the year, and if you're on the Falcons, you'd probably have like 25. So I, I just want to put that out there. I re, I miss being able to take Austin Hooper at my tight end position. Yeah, it's always worth noting. The Browns just ruining people's careers. Uh, you hate to see it. They did pay him, so at least they're paying him a lot of money to block and not catch passes. Seems like you could have just gotten like a lineman to do that, but whatever. <laughs> I'm sure the Browns are way smarter than us, even though they're not. But uh Look, the last guy I'm going to mention here, and I'm, I'm going to duck before I say this because I can hear our listeners throwing stuff at me through the phone, but it's going to be Drew Sample. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I said Drew Sample. Uh, I'm not too afraid to go back to the well here. Probably not going to do it in cash games again, but he is $3,500. Nobody is playing this man after what he did to people last week, but the Jaguars are 28th first to tight end. Uh, even though Sample did literally nothing last week, he did play 90% of the snaps. And, you know, Joe Burrow, he's got to throw to the tight end eventually, right? I mean, that's his thing. Yeah, I mean, so we both played Drew Sample last week. I I, I cashed despite Drew Sample. I will say that. He got you 1.7 points or something like that. You just have to assume that Joe Burrow is going to start throwing to the end going forward because otherwise we're in the friggin' twilight zone and I don't know anything and I should just stop talking about football because I, Joe Burrow throws to his tight end. It's it's one of the few constants in this world. I just I, – I, I respect you going right back to it. I'm going to not play Drew Sample for a week. I'd rather play Logan Thomas at the same price for sure. Yeah, I definitely prefer Logan Thomas in cash, but – if you're trying to get sneaky and win a tournament, I do think Sample still has, you know, 15 to 20 point upside. So if you have forgiveness in your heart, I do think Sample is still an option in tournaments. But uh, yeah, that's definitely my lowest tight end that I'm going to go here. Yeah, so so with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the, the Daily Fantasy slate, go on to our bets for, for the week. And speaking of disappointment from last week, transitioning from Drew Sample to our bets, all right, we didn't have a great week last week, all right? It happens, happens to the best of us. I went one for four. Aaron, did you also go one one for four? Yep. All right, well, so now on my $1,000 virtual dollars that I've put into the year so far, we're putting 500 in every week. I'm now down $223. Um, I was up $16 before last week, so I lost 
something like 250 of the $500 last week can only go up from there. And I'm, I'm pretty positive. It will go up from there. I like my bets a lot more this week than I did last week. Yeah. Last week was an awkward week. I think this is a good week to bounce back. Um, I did lose last week, but I'm up $75 on the year. So at least I'm still in the positive, but yeah, we're both going to get things going in the right direction. Um, Ben, we both like our cards this week. I'm going to let you get it started with your first pick. Yeah, so I was just I was looking at the board, and one thing caught my eye. It was the Bengals minus two and a half against Jacksonville at home. Uh, I caught this is at minus one fifteen. I think that the Bengals are just the better team than Jacksonville. I'm still not convinced with Jacksonville at all, having those first two decent weeks of the season. I think they're pretenders who tried very hard to fool everyone. I think the Bengals' air attack is going to be too much, and only minus two and a half is is less than I thought it was going to be. I think the Bengals definitely win by a field goal at least here. So I'm going to bet 150 to win 130. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly confident in, the, in that one. Yeah, I would agree with you on that pick. I do think this is a spot for Joe Burrow to get his first NFL win. So I would agree with you if I had to pick that one. Um, my first one is going to be the Dolphins. It's going to be plus six against Seattle here in Miami. It's at minus 115 right now, so I'm going to bet just 75 to win 65, a small little bet to start me off here. Look, the Seahawks, they always have these letdown games. They're usually on the road. They're usually coming off a big win and a noon kickoff. All that is coming to play here. Uh, The Fighting Finns, they're coming off 10 days of rest. I think the Seahawks, I just think it's a big emotional win against the Cowboys. I think they're going to come out sluggish. I just think the Dolphins get out to a lead here, and I think the Dolphins win this game, but I don't like betting too much against Russell Wilson, so I'm just going to take the six points here. Yeah, I appreciate the uh, the moderation there. I, I like the small bet. Uh, I So next up, I have my, my can't-lose parlay for the week. All right, listen, my last one may have lost, but this one truly can't lose. I've got the Texans' money line at minus 180, the Rams' money line at minus 800, and the Ravens' money line at minus 1,000. So these are two super heavy favorites, and then I'm basically just leveraging them into the Texans' money line because the Texans are not a true 0-3 team. They are better than the Vikings, and the Vikings are always better later in the year anyways. So I would say the only iffy one is the Texans' money line. It's the only one I'm even a little concerned with, as indicated by the odds there. But they did look much better than I expected them to against the Steelers and the Steelers' defense specifically. They're fully healthy for what seems like the first time this year. I expect the game to be sort of an offensive shootout, but I definitely expect the Texans to win it. And, you know, these odds just seem like a good payout with minus 800 and minus 1,000. I'm basically just leveraging it all onto the Texans' money line. Yeah, so, I mean, just to recap here, last week Ben did a can't-lose parlay with the Jets, and he is now doing a can't-lose parlay with Bill O'Brien and the 0-3 Texans. Now, I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, yeah. I mean, the Rams and the Ravens are stone cold locks. There's no way. And then I, I do agree. I think the Texans beat the Vikings. I think the Texans are better than the Vikings in every respect. Uh, the Texans are at home. It's Deshaun Watson against Kirk Cousins. So, yeah, I do like that can't lose parlay, even though it does involve 0 and 3 Bill O'Brien. So, I don't know. If we yeah, lose this yeah, one, but- we're. <laughs> but if, if Bill O'Brien has the lead at halftime, though. You can turn then it's off the truly, TV. You can turn off the TV. That's my favorite joke. Oh, man. Yeah. So I'm just saying, if you lose this can't lose parlay, we are going to 
either ban you from can't lose parlays or we're going to make you write an essay about the definition of can't lose parlay. Just going for it. I wouldn't be the first person to lose can't lose parlays. No, it's true. Um, Look, I'm going to double down on what I just said, and my my next bet is going to be the Dolphins again, but this time it's going to be plus three and a half for just the first half against the Seattle Seahawks. So I just need the Dolphins to be within a field goal at halftime. Um, I like this one even more than my first one. This is at minus 115. So I am betting $115 to win 100. I'm just doubling down on the fact that I think the Seahawks are going to come out sluggish off a big win on the road, noon kickoff in Miami, long road trip. The Dolphins are coming off 10 days of rest, which is way more than the Seahawks are coming off of. They don't have Jamal Adams. They don't have a pass rush. I think the Dolphins are leading this game at halftime or at least trailing by a field goal. So Dolphins plus three and a half in the first half is my next bet. Yeah, I I appreciate your commitment to the sluggish Seattle defense coming off the plane across the country. You You certainly believe in that one. Oh, man, this is just leading for Ryan Fitzpatrick to screw me in every possible way, isn't it? Well, if Ryan if Ryan Fitz... Oh, yeah, I mean, Fitz is just going to throw a first-half pick, like a first-half pick six. Just and- kill my tournament lineups and two <laughs> of my bets right off the bat. You're putting all your... You've made fun of me for putting my money in the Jets. You're putting all your money in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Look, I, I still have more bets that don't involve Ryan Fitzpatrick, I promise. That's true, and so do I. And, you know, if I had a, I was, I was going to pull up like a klaxon sound, like an alarm sound, because this is my first teaser of the year, but I decided not to. So I'm going with a Rams, Buccaneers and Cowboys teaser by seven points. So that's going to make the Rams line minus six and a half against the Giants. The Tampa essentially turns into a money line against the Chargers. And Dallas is actually given two and a half points against the Browns. Um, so the Rams just have to win by a touchdown. Tampa has to beat the Chargers B team and Dallas can even lose by a few, which they certainly should not do to the Browns of Cleveland. So this teaser is plus 120 when all is said and done. I'm betting 150 to win 180. And I think that as far as parlays go, this uh, this teaser makes it makes it very, very plausible that all three of these teams cover for me. Yeah, I think that's a pretty solid teaser. Um I do think there is a world in which that everything just comes collapsing for the Cowboys and the Browns actually win that game. But that, that is, that's also the one I'm concerned about. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I do think it's more likely that the Cowboys just win because they are better than the Browns. So I do like that teaser. Um, my next bet is I'm going to, I'm going to back up my thoughts on the Lions and the Saints defense. I've got the Lions plus three against the Saints in Detroit. This is at minus 105. So I'm going to bet 105 to win 100. The injuries on the Saints' defense have been well talked about throughout this podcast. Michael Thomas is not playing. I've been, I, you're going to like this story. I don't even know if you saw that I wrote it down, but I truly believe that I can throw a football further than Drew Brees. And I was once deemed to have a dangerously inflexible arm by a medical team that was conducting arm flexibility data. And I still think I could throw a football farther than Drew Brees. He is washed. Give me the Lions plus three. Man, I love that. I, I never get tired of hearing you tell that story about how they they bent your arm back towards the wall and they told you to push against them and you were pushing and they were like, all right, let me have it. And you were like, 
You got it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> this is all I got. I am I am very relaxed. You can pull my arm back now. And they said, we can't. This is this is a safety hazard. You should not be a pitcher. <laughs> Oh God, that's so good. Yeah. I'm I'm honestly I'm surprised you aren't taking the over in that game the way that you've talked about it. But but you certainly have you know been consistent with your Lions plus three narrative. Yeah, I wish it was three and a half or four, but it's not. And I think the Lions are going to win. But I'm just going to take the plus three in case the Lions just pull. You know, do Lions things. You know. <laughs> yeah, lose by two points on a last second field goal. Yeah, they're the just up by ten, and all of a sudden they just somehow lose by one. So I'm just going to take the three just in case, even though I do think the Lions win this game. Yeah, so it feels like I need a I need a contrarian pick here. Not not contrarian, but a uh, a high upside pick because I'm taking a lot of a lot of good odds in my favor and not a lot of high payouts. So with my limited money left over, I've already spent 450 of our $500 weekly allowance. I'm going to go for the Atlanta money line at plus 270. I'm going to bet $50 to win 135. So the, the reason why I'm doing this is because first of all, the weather is going to be beautiful in green in green Bay on Sunday. It's going to be mid fifties and sunny. So I'm really not worried about the lack of the dome. If it was cold, I, I might shy away from this because I don't think Atlanta's used to that, but Green Bay just won their regular season Super Bowl last week against the beat-up Saints, and this feels like a classic letdown game where maybe the Falcons won't even choke it away this time. So Julio is questionable, Devontae Adams is questionable, Alan Lazard is questionable. The thing is, if both Julio and Adams are out, I love this pick. I think that the Falcons are a better team than the Packers when Devontae Adams is not there. But if they both play... I still like it. I just don't like it quite as much. And if only Devonta Adams plays or only Julio Jones plays, I mean that's this is the this is the danger with picking on Friday. I might just rescind the the pick if it's if it's um if Devonta Adams plays and Julio Jones is out. But you know we'll we'll see how that comes. I'm assuming neither of them are going to play, and in that case, I really like Atlanta plus two seventy on the money line. Yeah, well, I mean, let me hop in here because this goes in direct opposition to a pick I'm just going to talk I'm about to talk about. But um, my understanding is Alan Lazard is out. He has a pretty serious injury. And then Julio Jones and Devontae Adams are both expected to play from what I read today. Julio. Oh, I, I, okay, I read some stuff today. I didn't see that, but I, I totally believe you. Yeah, Julio is said to be in and Adams is listed as questionable, but he did participate in practice a little bit today. And, you know, he was still a game-time decision last week. This is a Monday night game. And now with Lazard out, I think Adams play. So it is my understanding as of Friday night that Lazard is out and Julio and Adams are both in. But, yeah, I mean, this goes in direct opposition to my next pick, which is going to be my big teaser of the week. This is going to be my big bet. This is going to be a three-team, six-point teaser, and it's going to be the Buccaneers, the Chiefs, and the Packers. So this is a six-point teaser. All three of those teams are exactly uh, minus seven, seven point favorites. So I'm taking all three of those down to minus one. That makes it a plus 150 bet. So I am betting my $205 that I have left. That will be to win $307.50. My reasoning here on each of these is look, the Chargers just have so many injuries on defense. You know, you can, Derwin James was already out in the secondary. Now Chris Harris Jr. is out. Um, Justin Herbert is going to be without his top three offensive linemen in this game, which is that, not. That does, 
That sounds like the Chargers right there. That's the Chargers I remember. Three yeah. offensive linemen missing. Vintage Chargers. Three offensive linemen out. Uh, their whole defense is banged up. They're on the road here against a really good Tampa defense. Definitely not a defense you don't want to have your offensive line against. Um, it's a rookie, Justin Herbert. He's going to be facing a lot of pressure. Look, if Herbert wins this game on the road and ruins this teaser, I'm going to be so presently supplied, surprised and happy with Herbert that it won't bother me too much, but it will a little bit. But yeah, that's my reasoning for the Bucks. My next one's the Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs just have to win at home against the Patriots this week. I know it's a short week. I know they're coming off a big emotional Monday night football win, but I like the fact that this game is in Kansas City. I like the fact that the Chiefs are just clearly, in my opinion, the best team in the NFL. I think they came out to a slow start this year, and now they're in a really, really good rhythm on offense and on defense. And I just don't really believe in that Patriots defense that much. But, uh, yeah, my last one here is going to be the Packers. All the Packers have to do is win. So, unfortunately, this is going against Ben's last pick. But I think Devontae Adams is going to play in this game, and I think he's back in time to torch this Falcons secondary I like that this game is at Lambeau, and I'm just going to take Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones at home against the 0-3 Falcons here. So, yeah, I'm going Bucks, Chiefs, Packers. They all just have to win by one. Um, 205 to win 307 is my big bet of the week. Yeah, I, I will say I liked this teaser so much that it prompted me to make the teaser of my own because I, I appreciated sort of the the rationale behind this bet i i also agree that Devontae adams probably is going to torch the falcons secondary i just think that the falcons offense is also going to torch the packers secondary because the falcons offense has been torching people all year it's just the defense that keeps you know they keep choking the leads at the very in the in the last quarter of the game which i think is unsustainable i mean they still won six games last year they just and they were still choking away games last year too. So I just I think this is a good Falcons bounce back week. I think it's a Packers letdown week. That's just the narrative I'm rolling with. I'm certainly I mean you were taking the the favorite here, and I'm sort of arguing for the underdog. So uh, I'm not. I, w- I certainly wouldn't be surprised if Devontae Adams is just too much and the Falcons can't can't hold on. But I definitely like the Falcons as value on the board. Yeah, I do agree that plus two seventy is probably good value, but. I really just wanted a third team to throw in this teaser, and I believe in the Packers. I think the Packers are legitimately good. Uh, I think I just believe in them in general a little more than you do. And, yeah, I mean, I'm not expecting, you know, an epic Falcons collapse again. I think the Packers just are the better team in this game, and I think they win at home. I don't think it's a letdown spot on, you know, national TV Monday Night Football, so – that's my reasoning there. But yeah, I mean, I really like all of our picks overall. I think this is a good board. There's no way we go, you know, two and eight again, right? No, no chance. Surely, surely not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, with that, I would just say good luck to all the listeners. Uh, please interact with us on Twitter, you know, uh, give us the rates on iTunes, but, you know, send us your season long questions on Twitter. We want to interact with you guys. We want to see your winning lineups. We want to answer any questions you have. You know, we can make jokes, we can talk about our bets, but yeah, at Cash Landing Pod is where to follow us on Twitter. Um, you know, send us send your podcast to all your buddies that you think would enjoy the podcast. But yeah, thank you guys for listening to another episode. Ben, you got anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? No, I got nothing. I'm I'm ready to go. So uh, you know, we appreciate the listenership the listenership for sure. Uh we will be back Wednesday morning, uh recording Tuesday night. So uh if you're 
if you're looking for some baseball talk, especially, we'll we'll be doing that there. So uh, I appreciate the listenership, and we'll see you next time.